Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is brought to you by Banded. If you're tired of settling for second-rate gear that doesn't perform when it counts, look no further than Banded, the ultimate choice for hunters and outdoor enthusiasts. From top-of-the-line hunting jackets to ultra-comfortable, meticulously crafted waders, Banded has everything you need to take your outdoor game to the next level. And what's more, their gear and camel patterns are anything but average, designed to give you the edge you need to succeed. But it's not just their gear that makes Banded stand out. Their accessories, like their backpacks, are built to withstand anything the outdoors can throw at you. And their decors are trusted by the best guides and outfitters across the nation. Trust us, you won't find better gear anywhere else. Head over to Banded.com and experience the difference for yourself. Choose Banded and dominate the outdoors like never before. This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is also brought to you by our friends at Corning Ford. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly SUV or a truck that can withstand your life of adventure, Corning Ford's outstanding selection has something for everyone. And with their knowledgeable staff and competitive pricing, you can trust that you're getting a great deal on a high-quality vehicle. Don't wait any longer to start living your dream on four wheels. Visit Corning Ford today, and don't forget to mention your favorite podcast sent you over. So I've seen you've been throwing some hands lately. What's up with that? I don't just know. I mean, different training style. Yeah, yeah, just different training, mixing it up. You know, just always keeping the doors open when I'm done wrestling. Do you do you have a good long-standing friendship with Bo? Yeah, I mean, we've you know been together here and trained together for a long time. He's do. Are you proud of what he's been doing in the UFC so far? Yeah, he's killing it. I mean, he's. He's he's very he's very dedicated to his craft right now. You know the way that he's training it and he's taking it very very serious, very professional, and um, he's doing a really good job. I mean, I, I think the sky's the limit, and uh, here soon he's going to be really challenging those top contenders. It's going to be awesome. Has his success motivated you a little bit of of maybe keeping that door open a little bit more for a, a potential MMA career? Well, I think that, um, you know, you see that wrestling is number one martial art, you know, wrestlers have such a strong foundation. So, you know, having, you know, one of those things, you know, in your back pocket, uh, makes a transition like that definitely easier, but there are so many other variables in fighting that there aren't in wrestling, you know? So, um, I mean, I think it, when you see wrestlers really successful, um, it definitely, you know, definitely opens the doors. But, you know, when, if you step through that door, you got to be as serious to that craft as you've been to a different craft for your whole life. You know, and that's a whole different commitment level. Um, you know, it's something you got to take day by day, you know, if you ever decide to make that transition. So with your base of wrestling, David, could you, when you go in and you start throwing hands, is it awkward to you? Have you done jujitsu? Is that awkward to you? Or does your wrestling base give you the ability to, and your athletic ability, obviously, and your, 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 your awareness on the mat, which would transition into the octagon. Is it easier for you or is throwing hands something that's, is like so brand new to you that it's like, it's not like riding a bike, like wrestling is it's like starting over a hundred percent. Yeah. Throwing hands is like starting over it's different. It's, you know, it's different. Striking is different. Um, you know, everything we do in wrestling is bent over, you know? So I think our whole foundation for conditioning and, you know, everything you do, every reset is get back in your stance, you know, and you don't want to be like that, you know, when you're standing up against a striker in front of you. So, um, it's a different, uh, it's a different cardio system. You know, I think it's a different cardio system for sure. But then, you know, your instincts kick in as soon as you're close to somebody. You know, it's inevitable, you know, at some point you're going to be close to somebody and that's where there is a big advantage, but just different rules, you know, different rules, different skills, different strategies. And for as long as I've been doing what I've been doing, you know, people have been doing those things. So, you know, it's a, it's just a game, you know, and it's fun to, uh, it's fun to challenge yourself in different ways, you know, but right now, you know, wrestling still my, um, my foundation and training and getting ready for, the world championships this year and the Olympic games of 2024 is still, you know, obviously a primary um, thing for me. So you have the Pan Ams, the worlds, you got final X and you have the Olympics. Those four are kind of the big ones in the next two years. Uh, I mean, the Pan Ams aren't, um, you know, in wrestling aren't a big event. Um, it's more of a tune-up event for us in the United States primarily. Um, but 
the big events are our trials processes. So final X is our world team trials this year, June 10th world championships are in September in Serbia, the world championships the year before the Olympics are a big one because um, if you medal, um, your country is already qualified for the Olympic games the next year, not the person, but the country. Um, so a medal this year qualifies your country is one of the 16 spots in the Olympics next year. Then the Olympic trials next year in April are here in state college, Pennsylvania, the Bryce Jordan center, and then the Olympic games, um, are in August in Paris. So those are the four primary events between, you know, now and the next year and a half. I want to go back to hands before we move on to wrestling real quick with your, with your track record and your, your career so far from early days of wrestling through Penn state, through all of this stuff that you've done with team USA and team America, when you go in to throw hands as a, as a high caliber athlete as you are, do you get frustrated and get down on yourself when you don't pick it up as fast? Or are you such a, a disciplined learner and such a coachable human being that you study it and you're a sponge and you take it all in and frustration never really has an opportunity to set in? Because to me, like if I'm a baseball player and I go and I'm trying to dribble a basketball and I can't get it, but I've had so much success over here, like the first thing you're going to do is see some frustration like, man, I should be able to do this. But do you see yourself getting frustrated at all? Yeah, I think it's natural, you know, in any progression, you're gonna get frustrated, you know, but I think, you know, to, to be easily frustrated is kind of a tendency of somebody that's not really committed to what they're doing, you know, so I think it's natural to be frustrated, you know, I think I'm a, I'm a very high performer, I'm very high, um, very, very critical of myself, my performance, you know, I, I consider myself a technician, you know, I think technique is something that I prior, prioritize a lot. So I want things to be done right. You know, I want to learn things correctly. I don't want to learn bad habits because bad habits are hard to break. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, when you're learning something, you know, and, and to come from something where I'm really high level in where it's almost mindless, you know, it's, I could not wrestle for six months and I could step out there and, you know, although my conditioning may be not great, my technique is still going to be there. You know, you're walking into something that um, you don't know the muscle memory. You know, so you're trying and, and it is a little frustrating to, to be super high level, one thing and have to learn and another thing, but then it's all, you know, it's, it's all, uh, it's all perception. You know, I think it's, if you're comparing yourself to someone that's been doing it for 25 years, yeah, you're not gonna be very good at it. If you're comparing yourself to somebody that's been doing it for two days, you're a lot better than someone that's been doing it for two days, you know? So I think it's, it's all, everything is just, uh, it's a progression, you know, you gotta be patient. Um, but I think being critical is, uh, is super important. Anything you want to be successful in. With patience, Dave, do you have to really limit your time spent on the new art of hands or jujitsu? Or if there is this potential in the future of an MMA career, do you right now with all of these big wrestling tournaments and you just said, you're a technician you could go six months without wrestling and step out there and it's like riding a bike for you, you use the word mindless um do you have to limit the time spent on these new techniques so they don't take over your muscle memory and you go back out and don't bend over enough in a wrestling move and you're standing up too tall i mean you kind of see where i'm going with this right like is there is there a limit to what you can do right now with all these big wrestling tournaments coming up yeah for sure you know i think it's it's definitely it's really hard to be good at one thing, right? It's, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to be good at one thing, be great at one thing, you know, to be the best wrestler in the world is not something that's easy. Um, and when you start, you know, watering that down and doing other things, it's only going to make that one thing a lot harder. So, you know, I, I think that I'm in a, a different position where, you know, I don't, I don't train and I don't wrestle 12 months out of the year anymore at this point in my career. You know, I, I just, I have different levels, you know? So I think when, when there's downtime and I'm not, hundred percent training, you know, there's more time for other things, you know, but as I dial in and focus, you know, these larger events coming up, there's not a lot of time for other things, you know? So I think it's just, um, understanding the bigger picture and, uh, the priorities in the short term and the long term, And, um, and it's just balance, you know? And, and also I think sometimes it's, it's the, the creative mindset, um, is also important, you know, finding ways to still be creative and find, you know, ways that maybe, maybe you move your feet differently in one Avenue that can help move your feet differently in a different Avenue. Um, so I think there's, there's always things that you can learn and pick up, but you know, priorities and are always, you know, obviously really important. 
Let me ask you this real quick as far as this potential MMA, and I don't even know how deep you are into it, but it's monetary part of the drive. With the wrestling, there is some money to be made, but you guys are not compensated the way you should be or the way other athletes are in other professional areas. I consider you a professional wrestler in, in the folk style, freestyle. You know, I'm not trying to compare you to what a lot of people term as wrestling, right? With the WWE and all that. But is it monetary? Is it a money thing that makes a guy like you? And I know how disciplined you are and I know you own businesses and I know you're very family oriented, but does that come into your mindset of like, Hey, I I do have a wrestling base. I am a world champion. I am an Olympic champion. I am a tough SOB. I can do this, and I can also make a good living doing it. Is that come into play when you start trying to think about going to the next stages of your fight game? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to not think that way a little bit. You know, in wrestling, I've uh, you know, I, if I never wrestled a day the rest of my life, I've achieved everything that I wanted to achieve in the sport of wrestling. You know, being an Olympic champion was, that was my number one thing, right? From, from a young age, you know, um, when, you know, winning a world championship after winning the Olympics, you know, it's just like, man, you know, I could do it twice, you know, I do it three times to be a two-time world champion, Olympic champion. It's, um, at this point moving forward, it's, it's not about, um, you know, how many world championships, Olympic gold medals, because there isn't really the financial, means you know aren't, aren't really there in wrestling it, you know it's about uh it's more about the pride and uh fulfilling a goal chasing a goal down that you've done your entire life um right now my mindset is you know to win two consecutive olympic gold medals you know have the opportunity to do that in paris is is feasible for me um and that's exciting you know that's something that's unique that's something that not many people have done in our sport so but again you know i think when you're if you're looking at being, you know, 32 years old, 33 years old, um, having a really strong foundation, one thing still wanting to compete. Yeah. That's an Avenue that is interesting because for, you know, a similar amount of work, um, and dedication, um, to be able to do it multiple times a year and the financial, um, opportunities are significantly more than wrestling. You know, I think that's, that's definitely something that is interesting for sure. You know, but like I've said before, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. It's not just like, Hey, I want to make more money. I'm going to do this because that's just not the right reason to be doing anything. Um, you know, obviously passion is something that's the most important thing. And that's just not something that I can answer right now. Right now, my passion is towards wrestling and being the best wrestler. Um, but you know, obviously MMA is growing. It's growing so fast. You know, there's a lot of opportunities in that space and, you know, we'll address those things down the road and, and see what that looks like. With your, with your current stage of your training right now, what has set you apart in the past? And, and this is just a guy looking in as a big fan of you and watching you wrestle. And obviously I'm not a know-it-all when it comes to wrestling, but you are a, you, you score a lot. Um, you're not, you're not a guy that's reactive, even though you can react because you have great technique and you can turn something into, uh, you know, an advantage for you in a heartbeat. Um, the mindset of that, when you're on that mat or you're starting to train for a different career, have it, has it always been like you got to get the first punch? You know, I, I always I always hear people like, well, I don't fight unless I get messed with. Well, the first punch is the one that's going to get it going. It's the one that's going to land. It's the one that's going to set the tone. Um, what is your mindset at, in your as you age and as you mature into your wrestling career? Do you still want to be that full throttle wrestler that's going to have that gas tank that never ends? Or do you start to see yourself of being like, hey, let me see what's kind of going on in this mat. And I'm going to strategically pick this guy apart because in MMA, you can't just go full bore if a guy catches you with a knee, a knee could come or a kick could come or, you know, anything can come. Do you see your mindset changing a little bit in your wrestling when you start thinking forward with MMA? Well, I think, like I said, right, right now, my my priority is, is wrestling, you know, so it's, it's hard to, you know, project to something down the road, you know, that's, that's, um, that's, not, that's not there right now. But in wrestling, you know, every time I step on the mat, I'm doing what I can to be, to be the best, you know, in that moment. And you don't have to be the best in wrestling. You know, you don't have to be the best every score. You know, you have to be the best in the match. And you know, my, you know, my my philosophy over the years has been, yeah, you know, if I give up a takedown or two takedowns, it only puts more pressure and anxiety on that guy because they know I'm still coming. You know, so I think 
whether I get the first couple takedowns or takedown or score or they do, it doesn't, to me, that's not going to impact the end of the outcome of that match. There's still a lot of wrestling that has to be done between that, that time and, and the end of the match. So, um, you know, right now it's just depending on the opponents that I wrestle, you know, it depends on you know what their skill set is and, and what, you know, what I need to do. But I feel like my main focus when I go out there is just scoring the next point, right? Scoring the next point. And if I continue to score the next point, um, win the next scramble, it doesn't matter what the score is in the short term. I know by in that match, it's going to be in my favor. You know, I think the times when I've, you know, found myself, you know, in, in the toughest matches or the ones that, you know, I'm on the losing end, it's when I don't have that mentality, right? You're trying to just like maybe hang on to a lead or whatever that may be. And, and I, I've really made adjustment in the last five, six years where when I made that kind of mindset switch to score the next point, um, you know, my success started to have a lot more success. So that's what's helped me get to this point. And that's what, you know, I believe is going to help me get to that gold medal in Paris. As a fighter, David Taylor, and as a world-class wrestler, as a, as a combat guy that you're, you're, you're competing one-on-one uno, uno, just mono, mono. like it's the most like prolific kind of tournament that you can get. I know that you have a great team and a great support system and you have, you training is everything and your, in your mat, your mat IQ is a lot to do with this. How, how much of a psychological when it comes to the psychological part of training and knowing that you're going into these big world-class tournaments right now in the next year and a half, four year in the, in the next 18 months, let's say, do you often find yourself thinking like, what is my opponent doing? How are they training? Are they better than me now? Do you know every opponent coming up? Have you wrestled every opponent that you're getting ready to face? Have you already probably more than likely faced them? Is it, is it, I just stay in my lane and focus on David Taylor. Is there a lot of watching of older matches? How much psychological plays into that? Like, I wonder what he's doing. I wonder if he's getting stronger. I wonder if he's training as hard as me. I know nobody can outtrain you, David. I know that. But how how much psychological goes into the, the that part of it when you're when you're constantly knowing that you're going to be facing the top athletes in the world? Yeah, I mean, wrestling's unforgiving because, you know, and it's similar to fighting, it's unforgiving. You know, if you don't put the time and prep into it, it shows up. It shows up, you know? And, you know, I think that's what makes, you know, the one-on-one combat so, I mean, what makes it unlike anything else. There's no one to pick you up, right, if you're having a bad day. So you don't really have a lot of time and space to be thinking about what other people are doing. You know, I think there's always a little bit of that, you know, as a competitor, right? But there's there's no space for that for me. You know, it's about focusing on what I'm doing. And I believe 100%, you know, if I'm healthy and confident in good shape when I step out there, I don't think anybody can beat me. So that's what I'm focusing on, you know? And that path is different. It's changed a lot over the years. You know, back when I won my first world championship in 2018, you know, um, I didn't have a lot of other things going on. All I did was train and recover and train. And I felt like I had this huge gap that I had to, I had to, ca- I had to catch up. So I was going, I made a 26 pound weight jump and that was all I did, you know, and that got me my first world championship, you know, and then that got me really similar to winning the Olympics, but between the Olympics and my last world championship, I have a lot of things I have to balance. I just don't have the ability to just train and recover all the time. You know, every day is a little different formula, you know, so you, but you learn like, how, how can I still be successful? How can I still, um, have this longevity in my career. Um, and at that changes. And that for me, it's just about getting 1% better, being my best version every single day, beating what I was yesterday. If I go out there confident like that, then I can have success and, and have success at a really high level. And I just think that's just where uh, my mindset is. When you, when you talk about preparation, t- talk to the audience a little bit, David Taylor, about conditioning. Um, how you're in great shape. But when you're at this level right now, and you talked about Bo and how he's taking this very serious and he's being used the word professional, you don't get out of shape when you're at this level. If you do, you're really not taking it serious, in my opinion. I mean, I would assume that. I know that you might have an off day and a cheat meal, but I know that you don't go out and and drink a bottle of wine three nights a week and you're not eating McDonald's for it. Like, you don't, you're not doing any of that. But as far as the conditioning part goes, David, 
what is normal right now? Like, do you, you, you stay in this un, uh, unbelievable amount of shape, but you've also said a couple minutes ago that you could go six months and you might not be in the best shape, but you're going to be able to still wrestle. How good a shape are you in right now as compared to when you go into that tournament? And, I, and where I'm really getting going with this is how do you do it? What is a normal day? Do you have to go balls to the wall eight hours a day to stay in this kind of shape? Or is it just kind of a maintenance thing now? Because I would like for me to get in the kind of shape you are, it would take months. It would take a year, probably more. And then to maintain that is where I'm going with this. How do you maintain staying in such top level shape? Well, I think, you know, shape, conditioning, endurance, well-being, it's just like compound interest. You know, it's just... It doesn't just happen, right? I can't just decide today I'm gonna be in great shape in, in, in six days or six weeks, you know. It's but it's, it's what I've been doing for the last six years, seven years, eight, ten, twelve, twenty years. You know, it's that all adds up. And uh, and my strength conditioning coach Sam Calavita, the tra- he works. Uh, I work with the training lab, and I don't know if, if you know people are familiar with the training lab, but you know, Coach Cal, he really changed my whole perspective on strength and conditioning and nutrition for most of my career i only thought i just if i can just wrestle that's all really matters you know i don't really need to lift i don't really need to eat good i just need to wrestle be a good wrestler and i got to the point where that wasn't enough anymore you know and i started to lose when i got out of college and i got on the senior level and that's i learned how to buy in in a whole different way you know and that regimen it starts as like a regimen. It starts as like, man, this seems like a lot of work to eat this way and train this way. But then it kind of becomes just like normal. You realize, wow, this is what it, this is what it feels like to feel really good. This is what it feels like to not have tons of inflammation in my joints all the time because of what I'm eating in my body, right? You choose to you know, have unorganic, unprocessed foods versus the garbage food. And it's just an investment into your health. So to answer your question, it's it's a lot of things, right? It's, it's uh, at one time, it was a lot, it was, a lot at one time. Now it's just those things have become normal for me. You know, eating, eating properly, training, recovering. You know, and as as time goes on, there's more and more uh, science and 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 opportunities to to recover different ways. You know, now with like cold plunge therapy and uh, saunas and hyperbaric chambers. I mean, those things. Didn't, I didn't have those access to those things five six years ago. You know, and now I do. You know, and that helps. It helps that little bit of one percent to train hard and feel good to do it the next day. So when it comes to health, I, I try not to leave any, any stone unturned, you know, I think to be able to balance a lot of things that I have going on and to still train at a really high level, um, you know, health nutrition is a massive, that investment in your health is I think the best investment that you can make to keep that baseline. This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is brought to you by the famous Nashville Palace, the iconic music venue, restaurant, and bar right in the heart of Music Valley, Nashville. For over 40 years, the Nashville Palace has been a must-visit destination for anyone looking for an authentic Nashville experience. It has hosted some of the biggest names in country music history, from Johnny Cash to Dolly Parton to George Jones, and continues to be a hub for local and national artists to showcase their talents. But the Nashville Palace isn't just a music venue. It's a full-service restaurant and bar that offers a mouth-watering selection of Southern cuisine. From classic comfort food like fried chicken and mashed potatoes to more adventurous side dishes like fried alligator. you can wash it all down with one of their signature cocktails, like the Boot Scootin' Lemonade or a Palace Punch. If you're planning a trip to Nashville or just looking for a fun night out, head over to thefamousnashvillepalace.com to check out their upcoming events and make a reservation. This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is also brought to you by Lear. Looking for a high quality truck accessory that's built to last? Look no further than Lear. With over 50 years experience in the industry, these guys know what it takes to make your ride look and perform at its best. Whether you're looking for a fiberglass or aluminum cap, a hard or soft cover, or accessories to customize your truck, Lear has you covered. Their products are made with only the best materials and their innovative features provide added convenience and security for truck owners. Head over to Lear.com to explore their range of products and to take your driving experience to the next level. You talked, you said the word recovery. Talk to the audience a little bit, David, about sleep. 
And I don't know. Is this something that I got that two kids? Tr- so I don't sleep that good anymore. Okay, I w- that's where I was going. Is like you keep talking about, you know, in the first world championship, you weren't married. You might have been married, but you didn't have kids. You things change in life. You're up. You know, you're up taking care of your wife. You're up taking care of your babies. You're 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 playing daddy daycare on the weekends instead of you know. There's a lot of you know ebb and flows in this life. I get that, but the recovery part of it is that something that is stressed. How important is that? Because if I don't get a good night's sleep, I don't feel like training the next morning. I get headaches. I I get lackadaisical. My mind is not there. I don't feel like I'm thinking clearly. Um, I'm just talking personally here. And then you have to, with your lifestyle and your career, you can't afford that. So are there nights now to where you're not getting that full seven or eight hours how how much does your coach, your training coach at the lab, stress that? And how important is sleep in in today's David Taylor? When I know that it's changed because you have babies crying at night and you're watching that monitor and you're getting woken up. How how has that changed things? Yeah, I mean, sleep is massive. You know, and it's definitely it's it's not it's not really possible to do all of those things all the time, right? I've, I've come to accept that, you know, like, like I said, back in the day, you know, when it was just my wife and I, it was much easier to be like, eat, sleep, recover, take your days off, you know, hang out, you know, lounge on the couch, you know, when I wasn't training and I just don't have that um, ability to do that anymore. You know, I have a lot of uh, just obligations in different ways in my life, you know? So it's, um, but it, it's all, and it's like periodized, you know, we, we do the best that we can you know, when we can, but as I get close, so I'm, I'm it's June 10th is the final, is final X is our world team trials, you know? So for us, it's always about six week cycle. So it's like, it's do as best that we possibly can. And then we're six weeks out, you know, it's like, when I say weeks, my wife and I were, you know, we're, we're, we work hand in hand in this, you know, like we're in this together. Um, and she's, she's amazing. Like she, she honestly does, she does most of the nights where she wakes up with the girls and, you know, she, um, she, she just, she's just his amazing mother. Right. And she understands like, man, Dave needs to get asleep the best that, that I can, that, that he can. And as we get closer, like she does a lot of my meal prepping and as a family we really dial in and make sure that we're doing all those little things, but it's hard to do all that stuff all the time. You know, I'd be lying to you if, if I said I did all that all the time, cause it's not really possible, but you know, as you get closer to your events and your competitions, you know, six weeks is a, is a lot for me now where I can get a lot done in six weeks. So I have six weeks to really dial in my mind, my body, my training, my recovery. Um, and within six weeks, I can actually get a lot done in 14 days. So six, if, if I can start six weeks out doing all those things and then have two weeks, 14 days of like really structured, um, regimen of training and recovering and doing all the little things that I can be really ready to go for competition. And, you know, I have to be ready for, you know, I have to win two out of three matches June 10th, you know, so it's not like you have to rush this grinder of a tournament, you know, it's not a two day event. It's one way and, you know, best two out of three matches. It'll be a really good opponent, someone really good. Um, but you're talking about max 18 minutes of wrestling, you know, um, if things go good, 12 minutes, if things go really good, less than 12 minutes. So it's, uh, but you still have to be in really good shape, you know, to be able to wrestle a high pace. You know, you mentioned before, you know, what's different between, where I am now, where I want to be when I step on the mat, where I am now, I can wrestle with anybody, you know, but the pace that I want to put out there in six weeks is a pace that historically nobody can wrestle with. And to get there, you know, there's a lot of little things that have to be done. Um, and a lot of that's just mental, you know, mentally, I have to just kind of be willing to push myself further than I want to, than I nest my body necessarily wants to go. Um, so I have a little bit of an edge and I can do that extra more in competition that my opponent doesn't really want to do. And, um, you know, that's what it's going to take. You know, that's what that six weeks does for me. On those two weeks after, you know, with the 14 days before, do you have to go rent a hotel room and get away from the, the household a hundred percent? Like do you have to dial it in that much to where you have to get your eight hours of sleep and recovery a night? Well, it's interesting you say that because, you know, most of our competitions are overseas. So, you know, when, like, for example, last year, the world championships were in Serbia, you know, the Olympics were in Tokyo. So when you go like for the Olympics, I mean, we were there four weeks before, you know, okay. where you're just eating, sleeping, recovering, training, 
you know, you, you don't have anything else going on. We were on, we were 12 hours on the other side of the world. So it wasn't even really like anything that was going on back home was like complete opposite time. So that was like four weeks of purely doing that. You know, when we go to, you know, world championships, you do an acclimation camp and then you go into, uh, into your competition. So you, you, it's kind of part of that process. So when you're doing it here domestically, it's a little more challenging because you don't really like remove yourself from here to go kind of dial in like that. Um, so it's a little different formula, you know, but you know, we have good balance here. My wife and I, you know, we communicate about those things as we get closer and, um, but it's, it's, uh, it's also experience, you know, we've been doing it for a while and it's never, it's not an easy process, but you know, it's, uh, it's, and it always changes, like it always changes. So, but yeah, I mean, I think here I, ha I have a great support system, you know, with just like everybody that's here, you know, and I just have a lot of communication with my coaches. And for me at this point in my career, it's just even communicating like, Hey, I, I feel good today. Let's really push it. Hey, I'm not feeling so good today. Like, you know, what do you think is the best plan? You know? And I just, I'm very honest. And, you know, I think um, you know, for all the work and time that I put in, you know, I'm not dogging it. You know, I'm not trying to take an easy day off, but understanding that maybe if, if I don't feel great today, you know, or, or even on the days sometimes I don't feel good and my, maybe my coaches say, you know, maybe we take this day off a little bit. And I say, I, I think I really need to push it a little bit more because I think I'll get more out of it the next day. And we have that conversation back and forth. And, um, you know, I think that's that trust between athlete coaches is, is really valuable too. Do you, know your june 10th opponent yet even if you can't tell us and if you don't when do you find out to start preparing so the u.s open is this weekend um in vegas so that's uh they wrestle thursday and friday whoever wins my weight class there is who i'll compete against so um those that are familiar with wrestling the number one seed zahid valencia so that's who i wrestled last year in final x um, number two seed is Mark Hall. He was one of my former teammates at Penn State. He he trains at Penn now. And then number three seeds Aaron Brooks, who wrestles at Penn State currently. He's three-time national champion. You know, person I train with here. So um, likely one of those three people um, will make it. I'm pretty familiar with all three of them. I've trained with or competed against all of them. So, um, but all really good quality opponents. And uh, you know, whoever makes it through that tournament you know that's that's who i'll have and i'll be ready for that let me ask you this about you you know these three gentlemen you know their style you've even trained with them going back to the bo nickel analogy of maybe the future holds this for magic man in the mma game wrestling is a very respectful discipline like the martial arts are in my opinion like i don't know if i i don't know if i'd ever see david taylor go into a weigh-in at penn state and be talking smack like a conor mcgregor how how does that facet of the fight game come alive in your mind david do you can you do that like these three guys that are getting ready to wrestle you're not just going to get online and be like i don't care who who comes out of the u.s open i'll smack any one of them and then you know i'm going to take any you know i'm going to smoke them right it's going to be two minutes and they're pinned i'm going to get a tech fall you're not going to do that right but in the fight game you got to build it up there's hype you got to sell fights is that is that a weird mindset to you that you that that might be potential down the road or is it always going to be like Dan Henderson like he doesn't really just talk smack he just went in there he was a world class wrestler in college went to the Olympics in Greco Roman I believe or as an alternate maybe but you know had a very celebrated MMA career in Strike Force in Pride and in and in uh, UFC but he never talked smack in the weigh-ins or the press conferences like other fighters do how do you look at talking smack as it goes from wrestling to a potential MMA career. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, in wrestling, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it just never really been part of the culture in wrestling. You know, I think there's some that can do it. Um, I think a lot of them come across as just, just doesn't feel genuine. You know, it just feels like real forced and kind of cheesy. And I think that happens a lot in MMA also, but it's just part of the culture. It's kind of expected that that's what everyone's going to do. I don't necessarily think it's, I don't know if it's necessary for everybody. You know, I think for someone that has, that doesn't have a brand and doesn't have much behind them and it's probably a little more necessary because they're trying to build them, build themselves up. They want to like get into the UFC. They want to have big fights. You know, I think for me, you know, in that scenario, like 
I, I have the background, the pedigree. Like, it's not like I'm trying to start from zero, you know, uh, when it comes to trying to build a fan base and build a, um, I, I hope that, you know, I think even when I wrestle, people know what my skill set is, you know, they know what I'm going to bring to the table. Um, I don't necessarily think it's important to talk more about that. You know, I'm a very credentialed wrestler and I wrestle really hard. I've had success for my whole life to talk more about that and go into a competition, I think is a little strange in wrestling, you know, obviously in different space when you're trying to prove something and yeah, maybe, maybe it's a little more necessary and, you know, maybe that's a bridge that has to be crossed down the road, but, um, it doesn't mean I'm not confident. It doesn't mean that, you know, when I step out there, if someone asks me like, do you think you're going to win? Yeah, I think I'm going to win. You know, is it going to be challenging? Sure. It's going to be challenging, you know, but, uh, and maybe that's why wrestling isn't quite the, at the same stage, maybe that MMA is, but, um, I don't know if that's a necessary thing. Um, but sometimes it is all the, all the time you spent on the mat and in the training room with Bo nickel friendship, college days everything has it surprised you how he's taken on the smack talking he said some things he's all he's he's you know he gets asked a lot he's very confident he says that he's the best in the world right now that he's going to be the champions you he's talked some smack about fighters um has it surprised you or do you know something about Bo that we don't know from the past that he always had that in him he just held it in out of respect for wrestling I think Bo's always had that edge to him. You know, I think even in wrestling, I think he still had it um, a little bit. He's really very smart, very witty. You know, I think maybe it was maybe a little more suppressed in wrestling because it wasn't needed as much. You know, Bo was the favorite in wrestling pretty much every time he stepped on the mat, you know? So, you know, in MMA, like it's, it's different, you know, it's a little different, it's a little different thing, you know, He's trying to build fights and, you know, has some really big opportunities ahead. Um, the, you know, UFC is putting a lot of resources into him and building him up, and that's just kind of part of the game. And he's doing a really good job of it. Um, I think he's doing a really good job balancing, balancing kind of what he says and and backing it up. I mean, he's he's six and zero oh and hasn't taken a, literally a single punch. No one has even punched him not one time. You know, and uh, he's dominated. So. Uh, I think his, you know, what he's doing is speaking for um, what it is and, you know, he's backing it up. So, it, you know, I think it's, he's doing a good job and um, I don't think anything he says comes across as um, not factual, you know, he's intelligent and uh, who he wants to fight and when he wants to fight him. And, and I think that's all part of that. I think that that element of being a champion is more than just what you say, you know, it's, and, but I see, I see what he's training, you know, and he's, he's training really hard. And he's taking it really serious, you know, and I, I really believe that sky is the limit for him and uh, looking forward to him to continue his career. And he's fighting here in July and international fight week. His first fight was on a pay-per-view main car with Jane, with uh, John Jones, you know, so it's, um, you know, he's, he's really paving a pretty awesome path for himself. I was octagon side for that fight and got to see his walkout, got to see, you know, get the mouthpiece put in and, and his intensity. And he did, he, there was a chance he made a mistake in that first round. If you watch that fight, he got a little gung ho and his opponent, he was so quick to recover. Like you talked about in the beginning of this conversation on adapting and, and re, you know, and, 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 and that bait, he got right back to that wrestling base and he ended oh. it so quick. Um, when you talk to him today and I don't know how much you do and I'm sure I assume you do, but does he ever say anything like, dude, you got to have wrestling in this. Like wrestling is the, what you want. And I've known that for years. I mean, it's not a secret that wrestling is the foundation of a great MMA fighter, but does he, does he talk to it? Does he brag on a little bit? Like, thank God I was part of this training regimen with Penn state and the Nittany lion wrestling club and all of the stuff that you guys have done together. Has he, has he alluded to that at all to you? I, I just think it's a given, you know, I think it's a given. I mean, I think it's like, it's why you see so many wrestlers go into MMA, you know? And I think the difference between the wrestlers that go into MMA and kind of get caught up in the wash and the wrestlers that go into MMA and have a lot of success is just how can they evolve from their wrestling? You know, wrestling alone will win you a lot of fights. You know, you can see that for a long time, but eventually you're going to someone that has good defense, right. That has also a wrestling background. Um, and has good striking, right. And good coaching, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money in MMA, you know, so like coaches, they want to win fighters. They want to win. So eventually they're gonna come up with a good game plan. So 
you know, I think, you know, wrestling is such a foundation and he's doing a really good job of developing other skill sets. You know, people have to really respect every time he's throwing his hands right now, you know, and um, it's opening up his wrestling. So, you know, I think it's just, that's why wrestlers go into MMA and why they're very successful or, and why the wrestlers that become very successful is they are get really good in other areas too, but they're going to rely on the wrestling when, when, uh, when they need to, you know, and that's a, uh, that's a pretty, 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 pretty good gift to have, you know, when you're in a fight, you know, to have, have something that I just, I don't think that, you know, some, if you wrestle for 20 years, I don't think somebody can just start off the street and two years be nearly as good as you in wrestling. But I think that you can start striking and be proficient enough in a short period of time to, to be competitive all the time. You know, so I think wrestling, that's such a strong foundation. And it's as really long as you have, as, as long as you have a wrestling foundation, you're saying. Yeah. Start striking. Wrestling foundation. How, what would Bo Nickel say if I said mono mono you and David Taylor wrestling only right now? I know there's a little bit of a weight difference, but what would he say if I said you against Magic Man right now? Who's the money on? I know he's confident enough to say it's on him, but who wins that match? Well, we wrestled in Olympic trials, you know, that's why I had to wrestle to make the team. Um, but I mean, Bo is a really good wrestler. If he wanted to step back into wrestling today and wrestle, he'd be right back in the mix. You know, he's just that type of athlete and competitor, you know? Um, but that's uh, I guess a question you have to ask him or somebody else. But I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> Talk to me about your legacy, Dave. You made comment earlier about, hey, I've, I've had a great career. You know, I don't know if I'm going to be the guy that's has, you know, any more world titles or you know, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you've alluded to the fact that your career is unbelievable. How how do you judge yourself as a wrestler? <laughs> as the best in the world. Like, could you tell me who the best wrestler of all time is? Is it your former coach at Penn state is, is it Dan Gable? Like, can you, is there, is it John Smith? Can David Taylor like put his thumb on a, the best? Is it possible to say who the best wrestler of all time? Or do you have to do it? Like Gable did more for the sport than anybody, or is it that Kel <laughs> did this? Like, how do you answer that question when it comes like the best basketball player of all time is Michael Jordan. Okay, I mean it's it's there's no doubt about that in my mind that he's the best basketball player of all time. There's you could say that in other avenues of sports. Can you say it in wrestling? Well, I think there's different ways to quantify that. You know, if you're talking about best of all time, you know, talking about longevity over start to finish, you know, you're talking about just collegiate, are you talking about your international career? I think it's kind of three separate conversations. You know, I think it's to, in wrestling, like you don't see many people that start and are really good at a young age and then are successful their entire life and still become world Olympic champion. That's just not, that's just not that common. Right. Um, you see some people that that flame runs out somewhere along the way. Right. Um, then you see some people that, you know, just talking about collegiately, I think in the United States, if you ask who the best wrestler are, most people are probably going to, they're going to, they're going to say the last year's national champion, right? Because that's what they remember. That's like what you see on TV. That's our most um, broadcast event, right? The big tens, the nationals, like that's what people see the college wrestling scene. That's what they follow. You know, that's like um, where your casual wrestling fan follows. And then you have the international career, right? You have, you know, who won the most world and Olympic gold medals, you know, I think so. It's, it's kind of a three-part conversation. Um, you know, I think, you, and also depending on your region and where you're from, you know, I think it's going to have an impact on who, who you think is the best probably as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of international career, you know, I, I think, um, Satyev from Russia probably is the best international wrestler that we've probably ever seen just because of his longevity um, winning multiple Olympic gold medals, you know, uh, the way he wrestles, the, the technique that he had and how it, you know, just how he was good young and, and late in his career. Um, you know, Jordan Burroughs would be in right, in right in the mix from an international career. He's won 10, I think 10 world and Olympic medals, um, one Olympic gold medal and 
six world championships and maybe three bronze medals or something. So it's like pretty, pretty impressive. Um, you know, collegiately, you could talk about, you know, Kale Sanderson and Kyle Dake probably the two best, you know, in terms of collegiately, but in terms of longevity, you know, being good from start to finish, I would feel like that would be right in the forefront of that one. You know, I was pretty much before the social media area era and, and, and things that were starting to promote wrestling, you know, like, uh, every step along the way, you know, I was successful at eight years old, you know, and every major, I won every major event from that time of my life to the Olympics. So, you know, I think, did I have the best college career? No, probably not. I was four-time national finalist, two-time Hodge Trophy winner. I lost three matches in college, twice wow. the national finals, you know, and um, I've been, uh, been to four old world Olympic ch uh, championships. I've won three of them. I've been second. So it's, you know, I think I've, I've been successful my whole life. I don't know if each single one of them maybe was I the best, but I've definitely been in the mix. Um, but that's not really something for me to determine. Um, but I, I do feel like I'll have a, you know, a lasting impact on the sport of wrestling because of the way that I competed. Maybe not always my credentials, but I was, you know, I think I, I could, I've been one of the most dominant wrestlers the sport's ever seen, you know, and, uh, you know, that's something that that I'm really proud of. I'm a duck hunter, David Taylor, and you just gave me goosebumps, no pun intended. Like, to think of that career from 8 years old to 32, 33 years old now, getting ready to, to repeat as an Olympic champion if everything goes right, which I know it will. What a career. What, what you know, accolades to stay humble because that's what wrestling teaches you. I got to ask you something about – you know that the the part of your career at eight years old you do a lot of camps you have trained you coach these kids you're a mentor you you show it on your social media you love the idea of bringing the next generations and generations to come into this great american sport world sport um with today's age like you talked about social media the tablets the iphones the automatic babysitters the excuses the way kids are being raised now um, and I'm not saying that this is across the board, but are they as tough as you were back then? Are they as tough as the generation before you? Are they as tough as when Kale was coming up or are they as tough as when Gable are, are these new, can we look forward to strong American kids being tough on the wrestling match? Because a lot of what you hear in society now is that these next generations are not being raised in the outdoors. They're not being raised to be tough. The participation awards, everybody's on the same level. Like you hear this in the media, you see this on social media. You, I want your opinion as you witness it, you know, firsthand, are there, are there kids coming up that are as tough as there ever was? No, <laughs> no, you know, are just to answer your question. Are as kids in general as tough as they've been in the past? No, I don't think so. Um, Wow. But it doesn't mean that these kids aren't, you know, as good or, you know, they're, they're better. But that's the difference. Are they as tough? No. Are they better? Yes. You know, because every kid, every single kid now has more resources than what anyone had the year prior, right? Because things are so much more accessible now, right? It doesn't matter what sports you are. If you want to start in any, if, you, if you're a parent, you want to start your kid in any sport at eight years old. You could have access to whatever the best person is in that sport. You could find it. Whoever the best person is in that sport has some type of online coaching platform that you could access and you could learn from. And then you can travel, right? Clubs are so prominent now. You can find clubs that are coached by great coaches or have great partners or great training opportunities. You can seek out, you know, you, you can find really quickly now, like how good you are. You know, there's just certain events that you go to in any sport that you're going to find out you're going to get on a platform that you're going to see, like, are you, are you the best? Are you as good as the best people are? And then it's going to, it's going to create more opportunities. Um, but I, I, I just, I, I think the time has changed. Like, I don't know. Um, I just don't know if, 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 if our society, it's not required to be as tough anymore. I don't think, you know, I just think before it was just, it was more of like a, a status. I think being tough was like something to be proud of. And I don't think that that's as important anymore. I think being good is more important than being tough. So, um, and if you're, if you're, if you're one of the rare ones, that's good and tough, the sky's the limit. What, what do you accredit for your speaking ability and your 
your intellectual part of David Taylor. Are most wrestlers as well-spoken as you, David Taylor? Are are they w- as well-thought-out as you? And I'm not asking you to judge anybody, but as a whole, you, you, you come with the entire package. I, is this the way you were raised, the discipline in the classroom, the academic part of this? Um, you know, Kyle Dake, you mentioned, four-time NCAA champion at four different weight classes for Cornell, right? He's an Ivy League athlete. He's got, when I talked to Dake on this podcast, he is very educated in the way he presents it you said that Bo when Bo's on the podcast you can tell that he's well put together in his speaking ability and his intellect how is that you guys are you guys are like warriors you guys are like you know Spartans you guys are in the Roman gladiator age like how did how where does where does the academic part of it come when you have to spend so much time training to get to this level I mean I, I can't speak for other people um, you know, I was very fortunate, you know, that my dad raised me the way that he did, you know, and, and I talked to him all the time. I'm like, man, you're lucky because, you know, the way that you raised me, I could have got, definitely gone a different direction. You know, he was very, very strict. Um, you know, very, my dad had a military background, you know, very strict, very, um, matter of fact, you know, there was no quitting. Quitting was not an option, you know, but one of the things that he, but from the time that I can remember, he said, you know, go introduce yourself to that person, look them in the eye, shake, shake their hands and tell them what your name is. You know, I remember being five, six, seven years old, you know, and going up and, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm David Taylor. Um, nice to meet you. You know, I was always Mr. or Mrs. You know, and I, um, and I think because of that, because of, you know, I was, I was pretty grateful. You know, I think, I don't know if my dad necessarily had to like, say, Hey, you need to be grateful for these things. I just was, you know, I think I understood the commitment that my parents were making to help me be successful or, or, and it opened up a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities. You know, if, if I wanted to go train somewhere, a family wasn't ever going to say, no, we don't want that kid to come. He's a knucklehead. He's going to get in trouble. You know, like they're, yeah, David can stay with us for a week. You know, he's going to be low maintenance. He's going to say, yes, thank you, please. He's going to train really hard. You know, he's going to, he's going to do those things. And I think as a kid, you know, I, at the time, you know, I missed out on opportunities that I thought were important at the time, but, 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 you know, they being a knucklehead or whatever else there was, but, um, you know, I was just really dedicated to my craft. You know, I was dedicated to having good grades. That was just part of the requirement. Hey, if, you know, if you want to go travel and do these competitions and do these things, you have to have straight A's. Okay. Well, it was, it was a given. I was going to get straight A's then. And, uh, I was just wired that way. So I definitely thank my dad for raising me the way that he did. Um, it gave me the opportunity to be able to speak to adults at a young age. And it's been a very valuable, you know, attribute that is going to open up a lot of doors when I am done wrestling, you know, to, to speak to people, to have an impact on people. And then to pair that with what I've done on the wrestling mat um, gives me a really great platform, you know, to impact a lot of people in a lot of ways. So, you know, really grateful. But I think it's all the way that I was raised. I love it. I'd like to meet your dad someday. Do you, when I watch you get interviewed and and do some commentating during the NCAAs in the past six, seven years, you've, you know, they talk about, they put your little bottom third on there and they talk about what you did and two time Hodge winner and all of that. And it's easy to forget about that because you even said like, everybody just knows the last year's national champion to keep the David Taylor legacy alive with this speaking ability, is that an avenue that you have that you think about quite a bit? It seems to me like you'd be a perfect fit. And I'm talking like after MMA, after whatever your fighting career brings you, will you be the next great commentator for combat sports? Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what the opportunities are. You know, I uh, you know it's right now. It's you know I think it's a balance as you you know, as you get later in your career, like when you're young and you're hungry, like all you think about is the next win, right? You're thinking about the next, the next opportunity, the next time to compete, the next Olympics, next world championships. You know, I think now at this point in my career, I've been fortunate to achieve those things. I have a lot of other things in my life that, you know, I'm really grateful for my family, my kids, you know, um, my wife and I have a couple of businesses in town that we, we care about. We care about the employees that, that we have, we want to have lasting impact on people, you know, more than just, 
what I'm doing wrestling because wrestling will come and go, right? Like you said, like it'll come and go. People are not going to always remember me for what I did on the wrestling mat. Um, hopefully people will remember me with the way that we treated people. Right. And I think that's a little bit long lasting. And, you know, at this point, you know, when I am done wrestling, you know, when I am done competing, you know, I, I hope that there'll be opportunities that will continue to, to be there, you know, uh, based on the things that I've done and, um, hopefully the things that I continue to hopefully do in the future, but you don't know, you know, you don't know what those opportunities will be, but you know, hopefully, um, those opportunities will be there. We'll see. I think I should have asked that in a way of like, what would you want to do? Like is commentating. You just, when you find a guy that has the ability to speak and to, per, to, and, and also like knows the sport inside and out, it's a joy to listen to that type of commentating. So hopefully that's something in your future, man. I appreciate you coming on. I know you're busy. I know you're training before we go, David Taylor, please lay out again the next year and a half. How does it go? It's going to go. There's the U S open this weekend. You're going to be wrestling one of those guys coming out of that at final X on June 10th. Take us down that road one more time, please. So June 10th is our, it's called final X. It's our basically our world team trial. So the winner of that wrestles the world championships in Serbia. Um, being a world champion last year, I already sit to the finals of final X with seven of my other teammates, team USA. So seven people sit to the finals of final X that will be waiting the winner of the U S open, uh, which happens in Las Vegas this weekend. Um, I'll wrestle that person in a best two out of three format. Um, and then the world championships this year are in Serbia, um, September 15, 16, 17, 16, 17, 18, around that time. And then the Olympic trials next year are April 20th weekend, actually right here in state college at Bryce Jordan center. Uh, we were going to host it in 2020, but it got delayed and postponed. Um, and that event sold out within like a couple of days, you know, 16,000 seats were sold out. So I anticipated being the same thing. Wow. We have such a strong Penn state presence at the Olympic trials that it's going to be pretty electric. Um, that will be, um, one of the Olympic trials go to the Olympic games, you know, Olympic games are in Paris first and uh, first, second week in August. And, uh, if all goes well, you know, I'll be Olympic gold medalist in Paris, but you know, there's a lot of work and things to go right between now and then nothing's guaranteed, but you know, I'll do my best to, to be there representing the United States and hopefully have another gold medal around my neck in a year and a half. And you will. And when you do is retirement an option from the, wrestling game at that point after Paris. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely time to just take a step back and reevaluate, you know, what's next, you know, another four year cycle into LA in 2028 is, you know, it's uh it's a possibility, you know, but I think I'll have a lot of possibilities on the table at that point in time and um, time to sit down with my family and see what the next Avenue is. I'd be pretty happy with my career. You know, I'd be happy, like I said, I'd be happy with my career if it was done today, you well, know, of course yeah. it can still be, in a great situation, you know, to continue to build on this, you know, world championships this year and Olympic gold, you know, Olympic gold medal opportunity in, in a year and a half. Um, but yeah, it'll be a time to step back, reevaluate what's next. And then whatever is next, I'm going to be hundred percent committed to that. I know you're a man of your word. I'm putting you on the spot after the world games in Serbia in mid September. Will you join me on a duck or a goose hunt in October, November before you really get training big time for the Olympic trials? I'd love to. I'd love to. We've got to pass it by the real boss. I will say I will send her a gift package with a card in there asking for her permission, because I'd love to have you out, show you what we do, get you uh, doing what we do a little bit with the ducks and geese and then doing some cool recipes and eating what we harvest and eating off the land and organically. And I think it'd be an awesome time to have you in camp. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, I'd love to do that. All right, I will be in touch about that. That is the magic man, the great David Taylor. Like he said, his career is he's happy with it right now. Humility plays a big part in how he has directed his life. And every time that I text him, he texts back unless he's super busy. He knows that I'm probably too persistent. But the reason I am and the reason I want to let David know that is because I truly appreciate his message and what he's done in his career and how he does motivate and how he does influence other people. I'm 
15 years older than David Taylor, and he motivates me on a daily basis watching his, watching his whether it's his Instagram or watching websites or watching old wrestling videos. If you get a chance, watch this man wrestle and how he takes care of his life, how he takes care of his family, how he loves his babies. He's a true American. I'm proud to call him a friend, and I'm proud that he comes onto our podcast. Thank you, Magic Man. Thank you. We'll be back with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you all so much for being here. Earth won't last too long, so what you gonna do? The money's all gone. I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. Life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone?